Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. If everyone else will go ahead and take your Bibles, let's open up to Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8, we're continuing our study this morning on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, asking ourselves the question, what does the Bible teach us about the Holy Spirit? Specifically, what does the Bible teach us about the impact the Holy Spirit has in our lives? And so we're continuing on in Romans chapter 8. The whole chapter is filled with lots of information about the Holy Spirit and the impact that the Spirit has in our lives as believers. And so this morning, We're going to look at verses 12 through 17 as we see the Spirit's affirmation in our lives. Here Paul is encouraging the Romans concerning the affirmation that the Spirit of God brings to believers. And in the text, we're going to see three ways in which the Spirit of God brings affirmation to believers. So we're going to read Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. We'll read through verse 17. We'll pray And then we'll walk through the text together this morning. Paul begins, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us again together in this place that we might study your word. I pray that you would speak to us through the word this morning. And Lord, as we study the Holy Spirit's affirmation in our lives, then Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do just that this morning, that you would affirm us as believers, that you would convict us and call us unto yourself if we've yet to profess faith in you, and that you would do your work in us and through us this morning. We surrender to you now. And we pray for your will to be done in our lives. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, in the text, we're going to see three ways in which the Spirit of God brings affirmation to believers. Number one, the Spirit brings affirmation through our transformation. The Spirit brings affirmation through our transformation. Now, verse 12 picks up with the natural conclusion of verses 1 through 11. Those who have life in the Spirit are no longer enslaved to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We have been set free from the dominion of sin and death and flesh. In other words, we are no longer under obligation to live according to the flesh. Instead, we've been set free so that we might live according to the Spirit for the glory of God. And so here's what that looks like in our lives. Before we placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were slaves to the flesh. We, we could not help but to live according to the flesh. We would try to do good. We would sometimes pull off a little bit of good in our lives. But overall, we were slaves to the flesh. Now, being a slave to the flesh doesn't just mean that we obey the sinful desires. Sometimes we might think of these as like the animalistic desires of the flesh. 
but it also means that we are under the domain of this world. In other words, we naturally go after the cares of this world and we are naturally rebelling against God in our lives. Even sometimes in the most simple of ways, by claiming that we are the ones that have authority, we will do what we want to do when we want to do it because deep down we want to be God and we do not want to surrender to the one true God. Paul says that is no longer who you are if the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You have been set free from the flesh and you are now a child of God. You are now under the dominion of the Spirit. So, what we see is that although we have been set free from sin, we still live in sinful fleshly bodies, and therefore we are still prone to sin from time to time. Amen? And all it takes is waking up, spending more than five minutes awake, and you will be reminded that you are prone to sin as long as you are in this fleshly body. And so what Paul talks about here is not those who occasionally fall into sin from time to time, but yet are dealing with their sin. But Paul's describing in verses 12 and 13, those who are habitually practicing sin. In other words, sin is the normal practice of your everyday life. Sin is who you are apart from Christ. And if you've become a child of God, then you should have seen a radical transformation that has taken place in your life. The Spirit brings affirmation that we are the children of God based upon the transformation that has taken place in our life. So here's what we ought to be able to do. We ought to be able to look back at our life and look at who we were before we knew Christ. And we ought to be able to see a difference between that man and this man standing before you this morning. Amen? We ought, we ought to be able to look back there and say, I know, I know who that guy was, but there's something dramatically different between that guy and this guy. There's been a transformation, right? Change has occurred. Now, maybe you're like me and maybe you're like some in my family where you gave your life to Christ early on in life and you were nine when you professed faith in Christ. I don't expect that the nine-year-old you was that bad of a person at nine years old, okay? So I do understand, like in my own case, I wasn't, I wasn't running a gang at nine years old, believe it or not, right? Unless it was a gang in my own church because I grew up in church, Right? So, so the difference between nine years old and this year and, and who I am now isn't drastically different because I wasn't living in drastic sin back then. But I do remember at 15 years of age coming to the realization that if I was going to live for Christ, it meant that I had to live for Christ. And I remember there being a drastic transformation from really that point on in my life where I decided that living for Christ meant more than just believing who he was. It meant actually following Jesus, even at school, when it wasn't the coolest thing to do. Right? And so I can look back and I can see the difference that God has made in my life. Even though at nine, I wasn't all that bad, believe it or not. Matter of fact, if you talked to my mom, she'd have told you that I was an angel then and I'm still an angel now. Right? <laughs> Amen, some of you moms? Right? But what we see is that God has transformed us. And so when we look back, we ought to be able to see that transformation. As a matter of fact, I, I remember as a youth growing up in church and even as a youth pastor for many years, I remember this really familiar skit that we used to see and even used to do as a part of our youth group. And what would happen is 
youth would come up on stage and there would usually be a couple of chairs and they would, they would put two folding chairs in front of one another and, and one would get in the front and one would get in the back and they would be driving a car and they would be making all the sounds and all the motions and driving a car and acting like a car and someone would come up on stage and said, said, what, what are you doing? And the youth would say, well, well, I'm a, I'm a car or I'm a race car driver. And they'd say, what do you mean? They say, well, look, I'm acting like a race car driver. I sound like a race car driver. I'm a race car driver. And of course, the, the person in the skip would say, no, 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 you don't understand. Just because you look like and sound like doesn't mean you are. And then somebody would come up on stage and they'd act like an airplane. And they'd go through all that good stuff. And just because you look like and you act like doesn't mean you're an airplane. And then, of course, the catch line at the end of the skit was just because you look like a Christian... And act like a Christian doesn't mean that you truly are a Christian. And I would say that there's a lot of truth to that skit. However, there's a flip side to that as well. Because I would make the argument from Scripture that if you are a Christian, you will look like and sound like and act like a Christian. Amen? And that's what Paul is claiming here in verses 12 and 13. He is helping us see that if the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you have been transformed. You are not who you were. You are now who you are in Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so the Spirit brings affirmation that we are believers through our transformation. And then secondly, the Spirit brings affirmation through our adoption. Notice what it says in verse 14. Paul says, for we are, excuse me, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, those who are led by the Spirit of God are those who obey the Word of God, demonstrate that transformation in their lives. They are a new creation. And Paul says, therefore, you are a son or daughter of God. And what Paul explains in verse 15, just to make sure we understand, is that we did not exchange one form of slavery for another form of slavery. We were slaves of sin, And Paul says, I want you to understand that you're not a slave of God in that same way. Now, we've got to be careful here because Paul oftentimes refers to himself as a slave of God, as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul is distinguishing the difference between is that someone who is a slave who is forced to obey versus someone who is a slave who chooses to obey because of love. When you are a slave to sin... You had no choice but to obey the desires of your flesh. You had no way to overcome them. But now that you're a slave of God, now that you're a child of God, you don't obey God out of fear. You obey God out of love. You see, it's the love of God that transforms us. And it's the love of God that drives us towards obedience with God. And so what Paul begins to explain in verse 2 or chapter in the second point verses 14 through 16 is that the spirit of God brings that affirmation that we are the children of God because we haven't been given a spirit of fear but notice we've been given a spirit of adoption. In other words, we have become the legitimate adopted children of God. Those of us who are who were slaves of sin, as Paul says in Ephesians, children of wrath, sons of disobedience, we're no longer that, 
We've been adopted into the family of God. Amen? And we have been fully and completely adopted. We are legitimate children of God, such to the point that we are able to cry out, Abba, Father. Now, much has been made of the term Abba, Father. Some too far, some not far enough. Here's what I want to sort of land in the middle of. Abba, Father simply means this. We have the ability to have an intimate relationship with God the Father. Now, all of us experienced uh, relationships with our fathers to various degrees. Some of you may not even know who your father is. And so when I bring that up, it automatically brings a sense of turmoil and distress and sadness to your heart. I'm, I'm sorry it does. Others of you have a great relationship with your dad. And you had an intimate relationship with your father growing up. If your father's still alive, you may have an intimate relationship with your father to this day. But all of us find ourselves somewhere on that spectrum between no relationship really to a great and intimate relationship that we're thankful to the Lord for. Here's what I want you to understand. The reason we have various degrees of relationships with our earthly father is because those relationships depend upon the willingness of a father and a child to have that kind of a relationship. Some of you had a dad that was always there. Some of you had a dad that wanted an intimate relationship, never missed a ball game, was always there, always wanting to talk, always wanting to spend time with you, and therefore you had the opportunity to have that intimate relationship. Others of you had a dad that was hardly ever there. Or maybe never there at all. You didn't have that opportunity. Others of you as children, you might have had that dad that was willing to have that intimate relationship that wanted to, but you were the one that was distant. You were the one that didn't want that kind of a relationship. What Abba Father means is this. It means that God has done everything he can possibly do to have an intimate relationship with you. He is that father that is consistently present in your life. He is that father that wants an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. Such to the point that he sent his son to die on a cross to pay for our sins so that he could remove that which separated us from him. So that he could send the spirit of God into our hearts, adopting us into his family, bringing us into a close and intimate and personal relationship with him. God has done everything he can do to have an intimate relationship with you. The rest is up to us. Amen. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, then God is offering you the gift of salvation. If you're here, listen and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, God is the one who's done all that he can to have an intimate relationship with you. It's up to you to now do what you need to do to have an intimate relationship with him. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the body of Christ. That's what it takes to have that intimate relationship with the Lord. Amen? You can't, you can't be one of those believers that has their Bible closed somewhere on a bookshelf and says, I never hear from God. Well, of course you don't. You never open his word. You, you can't be one of those who says, well, I feel, I feel just distant from the Lord. Well, how often do you pray? Well, I mean, I, I thank God for my food every day. Well, of course you feel distant from the Lord. You don't ever talk to him. Amen? How, how many of you in here are, are, are married? All right, if you're married, you're, you're probably like Carrie and I. Every so often, we have to sort of have a reality check. 
Because what happens is we get very busy and distracted in life, right? So, so a normal week, Monday night, we've got small group. Tuesday night, Noah has golf. Wednesday night, we have church. Thursday night, uh, Haley has uh, gymnastics. I do this because they flip, right? <laughs> right? Friday night, we normally don't have anything except for sometime throughout the week, you got to buy groceries, right? So sometimes Saturday, who knows what's going on? Sometimes we got harvest things. Sometimes we got church stuff. Sometimes we're free. But oftentimes during those free times on a Friday and Saturday, we're doing stuff with our kids. And every once in a while, Carrie and I look at each other and we go, man, we haven't spent any time together in a week or longer. No wonder we can feel distant from one another. No wonder we don't feel as intimate as we once did. Listen, relationships require time. Amen? Well, your relationship with God is no different. We can get really busy doing life, not spend time with the Father. And what I want you to understand is He is still our Abba Father. He is still that Father that wants an intimate relationship with us. And what it requires is it requires us putting down the stuff that's not eternal in order to focus on that which is eternal. Amen? And what Paul says in following is incredible. He says in verse 16 that the Spirit Himself will then bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What that means is that the Holy Spirit of God, who literally lives inside of us as believers, will testify or make known to our spirit, to the innermost part of our being, that we are the children of God. Now, when I say that, here's what oftentimes comes to mind. What if I don't feel that way? What, what if the Spirit of God isn't telling my spirit that I am, in fact, a child of God? Well, because I've experienced that personally, I want to address four basic or broad areas that sometimes are the reason that we don't feel that way. So, first reason that oftentimes we don't feel that way, that we do not feel the Spirit of God bearing witness to our spirit that we are the children of God, the number one reason is that we have yet to truly surrender to Christ as Lord. Now, here's what I mean by that. There's a huge difference between believing the Bible is true, praying a prayer, walking an aisle and even getting wet in front of everybody, there's a huge difference between that and surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Many of us can say, I believe, including the devil and the demons, by the way. Amen? Read through Matthew Read through Mark, Luke, John. When demons meet Jesus, you know what they do? They testify to who he is because they know who he is. They believe. The problem isn't with our belief. The problem is that biblical faith and belief always leads to action, which is surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. You say, but John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that 
right? He gave his own son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. That word believe there in John 3, 16, it doesn't mean head knowledge. It means that I believe that he's Lord, therefore I will believe and confess him to be my Lord. Amen? And so the number one reason that oftentimes the Holy Spirit doesn't bear witness to our spirit that we are the children of God is because we're not the children of God. We've yet to fully surrender to the Lordship of Christ. We believe up here, but we've yet to surrender to the Lord in here. We've yet to come before the Lord and say, God, I will live for you and you alone. And I want you to hear me clearly. This is a huge danger in the Bible Belt where we live. Listen, if you were raised in church, drugged to vacation Bible school, drugged to Sunday school, taught all those things, then you sometimes can't help but believe. It's all you've known. The question is, have you truly surrendered to the Lordship of Christ in your life? Amen? And so if you don't feel and sense the Holy Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, it could be that you're not yet a child of God. But secondly, it could also be that you have unconfessed sin that is disrupting your relationship with God. Listen, if you've got sin in your life, that you're not dealing with, that you're not confessing, that you're not bringing before the Lord, it will most definitely cause friction and division between you and the Lord in your relationship, right? And, and I hope you noticed in, 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 in that hand motion, because I talk with my hands, this hand representing the Lord wasn't moving. It's us in our sin drifting away from the Lord. Because we won't deal with it, because we won't confess it, there's friction between you and the Lord. The other day, one of our kids did something wrong. We addressed it, and we waited. And we waited. We waited. We came back a few hours later, and we said, so you think it's time for you to confess it yet? And to seek forgiveness yet? And what we had to do is had to teach that just because the sin's been addressed and been acknowledged, until confession, reconciliation can't take place. And as long as that sin is in there and it hadn't been dealt with, then that sin is causing friction, right? That sin's causing friction. Years ago, we were on a missions trip and Allie fell asleep on the plane. And as she's sleeping on the plane, the steward has come by and they bring chocolate ice cream pops, you know, the little ice cream covered in chocolate. I stole Allie's ice cream that day. She was asleep. I ate hers and I ate Carrie's. Didn't say a word about it, flat out stole them, right? Thanks to, I think it might've been David or somebody else on the plane later that day or later the next day. Oh, wasn't that ice cream good? Both of them looked at each other and go, what ice cream? Right? Allie's never trusted me on a plane since. Right? She don't want to sit beside me and Carrie. She won't sit beside Carrie because she trusts Carrie, but not me. Right? Right? Because once that's occurred, there's friction. And I'm just kidding. Obviously, there's not a lot of friction between Allie and I over the popsicle, although she doesn't trust me with her ice cream. I will tell you that. Right? But listen, if there's sin between you and the Lord and you've not confessed it, you will not feel that intimate relationship with the Lord. Amen? The third reason that sometimes the Spirit doesn't confess or bear witness to our spirit is because we're not spending time in relationship with God through prayer and scripture reading and studying. 
Just like in all relationships, mine and Carrie's, you and your husband, you and your children, you and your best friend, you and the Lord. If you don't spend time together, you will grow apart. So if you're not praying, if you're not spending time in the Word, if you're not spending time in silence, listening for the Lord after spending time in the Word, then you will grow distant from God. The fourth reason that we think is most common is that oftentimes we don't feel that presence because we're not following God's plan for our life. In other words, God is leading you to follow Him in some way, and instead of following, you're running from God. Greatest biblical example is Jonah. God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare it the word that I give to you. And Jonah says, Hear you loud and clear. I'll get up and I'll go as far away as I can. Right? And of course, he felt distant from God. Now, our story isn't probably going to be as dramatic. Amen? Like you've probably yet to be swallowed up by a giant fish if you're running from the Lord. But just the other day, I wasn't, Carrie was actually talking to someone. And this person was telling Carrie, I felt God calling me to serve him in ministry when I was younger. And I ran away from it. And now I'm at a point in my life where it's probably too late for me to do that. And now all I have is the regret of not following God. And, and this person said, there's been a distance between me and the Lord ever since. I promise you, and by God's grace, Carrie comforted this person and said, it's never too late to follow God, amen? Because <laughs> it's not. But listen, you cannot outrun God. And you can run as far away as you think, and you can run for as long as you can fathom. But until you surrender to God and what he's leading you to do in your life, you will never move on with your life. And so if you're here and you do not feel the Holy Spirit of God just confirming into your heart and your mind that you are a child of God, then what do you do? Well, you confess it, you deal with it, and you move forward for the glory of God. So in other words, if you're here this morning and you believe, but you've yet to surrender to the Lordship of Christ, then today you surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Amen? In just a few moments, we'll stand and we'll sing and the service will end and you will be able to come and find me or you'll be able to respond during the end of the service itself and you'll be able to say to God, God, I surrender to you. You are my Lord, you are my Savior. I surrender to you fully and completely. Well, maybe you're here and you do have unconfessed sin in your life. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Oh, look at there, babies everywhere. I love Chandler's shirt, by the way. So you're here. You've got unconfessed sin in your life. And because it, you've been distant from the Lord. What do you do? Confess it. Knowing He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? Sometimes I think we forget how easy it is to just confess our sin. Confess it. Deal with it. And if you're here and you've been struggling with the same sin over and over and over and you can't seem to get out from under it, let me encourage you, reach out for help. Come talk to me after church and let me know what's going on so I can pray for you, encourage you, and I can help you get through that. It's not because I know anything. It's just because through God's grace, oftentimes we need a friend. 
We need an accountability partner. We need help in overcoming those sins. Amen? And so if you're here and you're struggling, don't keep struggling. Instead, confess it and reach out for help. Maybe you're here and you haven't been spending time with the Lord and so you feel distant. Right now, right this minute, commit to spending time with the Lord. You right now, pick a time that works for you. When you wake up in the morning, maybe on your lunch break, maybe before you go to bed, maybe in the afternoon. What works for you? Think about it right now. Pick a time and commit to it. Amen? If you don't make time for the Lord, it won't happen. No different than in our marriage. If we don't make time for one another, it will not happen. Right? We've got we to make time for the Lord. And so make time. And, and then finally, if you're here and you, you find yourself running from the Lord, stop. Stop. You're, you're not going to outrun it. That feeling will never go away. If God's leading you to do something, then do it. You say, well, but, but, but Will, it's huge. Like it may require me to, to like move. It may require something massive. Okay. I, I get it. But do it. Amen? Do it. So the Holy Spirit affirms our salvation through the transformation that's taken place in our life. The Spirit brings about affirmation through our adoption as sons and daughters of God. And then thirdly, the Spirit brings affirmation through our glorification. I want, to, I want you to look at me with, in verse 17 as we come to a close. Paul says in verses 14, 15, and 16, you are children, you've been adopted into the family of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, transformation has occurred, and then in verse 17 he says this, and if you are children, then you are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And just pause there for a minute. Because this idea of heirs and inheritance, it takes us all the way back to the Old Testament. When God calls the nation of Israel and he promises them that he will lead them to the promised land. That he has an inheritance for them. And all throughout the Old Testament, it becomes more and more clear that the promised land is not just a physical place in and around Jerusalem, but it is an idea, a spiritual reality that one day there exists for us an eternal promised land and rest that is the kingdom of God. Amen? And what Paul is doing here is he's saying if you're legitimately the children of God, then you will share in the inheritance of eternal life with God the Father. Just like Jesus does, so you do as the children of God. Amen? Well, I figured that'd be a little bit more exciting than that, right? I mean, like, you know, that's like the kind of amen you get when somebody says, hey, look, I've got green beans. You're like, yay, veggies, right? Versus, hey, chocolate cake, woo! Amen? Anytime I say woo, I have to do the, I can't stop myself. It's just, I, I apologize. It just happens that way. But listen, we ought to be excited. There's an inheritance, an eternal inheritance waiting for us as the children of God. There it is. Provided, provided we suffer with Christ. Maybe that's why somebody didn't say amen earlier as they read ahead. 
provided we share in his sufferings. Look at what it says. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, this is an inescapable truth of Scripture. If we are a child of God, we will suffer with Christ. Matter of fact, John says this in John 15, 20, or Jesus says this in John 15, 20. Remember the words that I say to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you kept my word, they will also keep yours. Notice in that context, persecution comes in the midst of following Christ and declaring his word. Right? Jesus says there, John 15, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they believe my word, they'll believe your word. Right? And so here's what Paul is saying in verse 17. He is not saying that suffering is the work we have to do to earn heaven. That's not what he means. What he's saying is that if you are a child of God living for the glory of God because the Spirit of God lives inside of you, then you will be living your life in such a way that it will bring about persecution. Now, persecution varies depending upon the sovereignty of God. In other words, some people suffer more than others. Our brothers and sisters in Iran are suffering far more than we are suffering here in the U.S. There are certain pastors that are in prison for doing what I'm doing right this minute. In God's sovereignty, they are suffering far greater than I will ever suffer. But regardless of how great or how little the suffering may be, If you are a follower of Christ, you will suffer in some way, shape, or form. Amen? And suffering doesn't provide our salvation, but suffering, Paul says here, proves our salvation. Suffering proves that we truly have submitted to the Lordship of Christ in our life. And Paul says, if you're willing to suffer for Christ, therefore proving your salvation, then you have glorification with Christ to look forward to. One day Christ will return. And with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, he will call to himself the church, us. Amen? And we will rise together to meet the Lord in the air, leaving these corruptible, sinful bodies behind so that we will get our glorified, transformed, immortal bodies So that we can live all of eternity in the kingdom of God as the children of God. Amen? And what we find in this text is that the Holy Spirit of God was sent to us to affirm our salvation. He affirms it through our transformation. Right? He affirms it through our uh, glorification. He affirms it through our, I'm getting to it, through our adoption. My mind went blank, sorry. He affirms it through our transformation, through our adoption, and through our glorification. So here we are at the end, and I want to ask this last question. Is the Spirit of God affirming your salvation? As we sit here this morning, all together but just you and the Lord, is the Spirit of God affirming your salvation. Will you pray with me? 
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you four questions as an invitation. First of all, have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord? Again, you may know all the answers. You may even truly believe in your mind what the scriptures teach. But I'm asking, have you ever personally surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? If not, today can be the day you do. If you're here and you've never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, then I believe that the Spirit is affirming that. In this moment, the Holy Spirit of God is calling out to you, letting you know that you have not yet trusted Jesus. And if you're here and you feel God calling you to himself, then I would encourage you to respond. In just a few moments, as we stand to sing our hymn of invitation, you can come and you can say, Will, I want to give my life to Christ. You may feel more comfortable coming and talking with me after church. That's fine. But do not leave here today until you've said yes to God. Secondly, let me ask you, do you have unconfessed sin that is disrupting your relationship with God? I'm not talking about you've messed up this week and you confessed it and you dealt with it already. I'm talking about you've got sin that you are trying to hide from everyone else. You're not dealing with it. You're not confessing it. You're struggling with it. If that's you this morning, then I want to encourage you to repent. Confess it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of it. And if you need help, reach out for help. Third, are you spending time in a relationship with God through prayer and scripture? Are you spending time with the Lord? I know life is busy. I know things get chaotic. I'm here today to encourage you. God's word is here today to encourage you. Put those things aside and take time. Make time for the Lord. And then fourthly, are you following God's plan for your life? If you're running from the Lord, stop. Surrender to him and follow. We're also about to partake of the Lord's Supper. So if there's anything in your life that would cause you to partake in an unworthy manner, then this is your time to confess that and deal with that as well. But however the Lord is leading, I would encourage you to follow him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our midst even now. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work and you would provide during this invitation. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you now. We will follow as you lead. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.